0: And welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. I want to go to the Word of God this evening, Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. We'll start out reading in verse 1. <clears throat> Judges chapter 7 and verse 1. Then Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the wall, the well of Herod. So the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel claim the glory for itself against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So we get our numbers for the battle here. We we get our uh, We get our stats for how many soldiers are actually involved in this. 22,000 returned and 10,000 remained. Total of 32,000 that we started with, we're now down to 10,000. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go, and the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Let everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink... And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was three hundred men. But all the rest of the people got on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and they sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those three hundred men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley." Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, help us to uh to uh, get all the, uh, the truth and the understanding and the sense out of it that we possibly can. And we can only do that as your Holy Spirit uh, works among us, God, causing us to understand, God, revealing, Lord. We thank you so much that it's alive, it's sharp, it's powerful, it's convicting, Lord, it's, uh, it's, it's comforting, it's soothing, but it's also, uh, it, it'll also put us on our toes, God, it'll also show us the uncomfortable places in our hearts, God. So we thank you for it in all of its work, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Amen. Thirty-two thousand is what we started with, and if you if you read into the uh, the, the word of God, we, we're it, it's it's already uh, you know five five to one. It's not a good situation. There's a, you know there, there are so many Midianites you know who have gathered different tribes who have come under. Uh, you know, to, together to uh, kind of do away with uh, with Israel once and for all. So this uh, this is kind of a rare thing for all of these uh, soldiers and all of these uh, these groups to come together. And mostly they're raiders, but man, they are ready to put it to the uh, the Israelites, the children of Israel, at this point in time. <clears throat> and uh, God begins to work in Gideon's life a little bit ahead of time. He's kind of a, a little bit laid back. He's uh, he is certainly not the the alpha type personality who's you know aggressively pursuing everything, but God begins to work in his heart, begins to use him, and. Uh in the in the chapters before we see the very chapter right before uh, the last thing that he does is kind of test God to see are you really saying what you're what I think you're saying you know I'm going to put out this fleece and if the ground around is dry and the fleece is wet then I'll know for sure you know not kind of thinking you know all the way through um, and, and so he goes out and obviously you know the the fleece is wet and the ground around is dry and then ever I wonder if somebody had to tell him that would that's normally how it would be you know the fleece is going to hold water a lot more than the ground around it so you prove nothing and and let me start by saying some people um, have a problem for every solution and it's kind of dangerous to get into that mindset of of trying to test God because um, you you've not seen nothing till you've seen my propensity and my ability to doubt I you know if I get in my flesh and I stay in my flesh, I can doubt the paint off the wall. You know, as people, we can we can doubt anything. We can see something and still come somehow trick ourselves into believing you know that 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 it's it's not going to work out and being fearful. You should see this type of things that God does for the children of Israel right in front of them and and, and they still doubt. Open up the Red Sea and still doubt. What, look at what all He did in Egypt and still doubt. So it's not just believe, just believe the word of God. Just believe what God says. Don't get into this contest. And it's a, but God indulges because he's he's a good God and he's he's helping. He's trying to help Gideon out here. He says, God, you know, I just realized that I made a mistake in that particular way that I did it. If only the fleece could be dry and the ground around it wet, that would be inexplicable, and then I could I could really believe. And so God does that. He he allows it to happen just like that. And so. Gideon is, uh, I, don't, I don't know that he's not doubting, but now he just feels too dumb not, you know, not to move forward with the plan, maybe. But he, he sees God move, he sees these things happen, and then he, uh, he calls all the Israelites, uh, the men of war, to him. 32,000 strong, and 10,000 remain after this declaration. Anyone who's afraid. And I like to put myself in the in the situation sometimes. I, I like to think, you know, what does that look like? What does that feel like when you already know that you're massively outnumbered uh, to start with, you know, when everybody's there and, and you're one of these guys and, and, and basically you know you're in a bad spot even with 32,000 people, you know, you're massively outnumbered. And then 22,000 people say, yeah, I'm scared and walking away. What am I thinking if I'm one of those who was uh, kind of on the fence? Yeah, I... I Honestly, even if I wasn't, you just, took, you just took the army away. The army left. I wasn't afraid. I thought maybe, you know, God can do this. We, we, I feel pretty good. We got 32,000, you know, 30-ish thousand people. We're all right. And then the army left, and then it was just us and 10,000 people who are all kind of still here. If I didn't doubt before, then I would be kind of afraid then. So but he whittles it down to a a, a group of men who are pretty solid and they, they believe apparently you know they're they're convinced you know a few that know where they're going serve you better than a lot of people who don't a few a few people who are convinced of who God is sometimes that that that's a lot more useful and and this this is what sticks, sticks out to me because the uh the numbers in this story, if you look at them on both sides, you look at all you know, 100,000 Midianites on the other side, and uh, the, the numbers that uh, th- they tell their own story. Because if you look at, and we all know how it ends, um, because of the, you know, this, uh, this picture and the, the torch and the trumpet and the sword of the Lord and Gideon, we know how that plays out. So the next thing you see is these people um, who are outnumbered, the ones who have hundreds of thousands of troops. Uh, They end up; their numbers work against them because confusion breaks out into the camp. So, uh, don't be distracted by the numbers. Don't ever be distracted by the outward appearance of what seems like you know the world stacked against you. Or or, and you know, as the people of God, don't be distracted by the things that the enemy says, or the fact that it looks like uh, there's no hope for our society, there's no hope for our culture, there's no hope for our families. Don't be distracted by that because in the end, uh, that didn't help them one little bit. Whenever God is on your side, then that's all that matters. so whenever you look at the numbers, the 22,000 or the 32,000 that started, um, the, the excessive numbers are what end up serving defeat to the enemy. He causes confusion to come in. And, and now you know, hundreds of thousands of people are fighting and destroying themselves. It's amazing. God says they need to clearly see who's doing the work. I need a bunch of people that are so reliant on me. That they keep their hands and their egos out of the fight and they watch me work. <clears throat> so the first test for those for the, for the men that we see is for those who have the faith to believe. Something, uh, something interesting. When he says, uh, uh, tell everybody who, uh, who doubts to leave Mount Gilead. And that's, that's important. Anyone know what Gilead means? Anyone recall? might have read it. It, mean, it means a testimony, and it's particularly referring to a, 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 a testimony in you know, a pile of, of stones that were raised up for a, a, a memorial and for a testament. So Gilead means basically a, a testament, a testimony. And so God, the first thing that he asked is, what is your ability to believe? And whenever he finds out there's a bunch of people who are still frightened, they're still scared, they still don't think that they can win this thing, he says, all right, well, then, then I want you to leave. I, if you can't believe the testimony, if you can't stand on the testimony, then I want you to depart from it. I want you to depart from my plan and what I'm trying to unlock and what I'm trying to achieve here. Gilead means a heap of stones, that of a testimony. See, and here's the thing about a testimony. A testimony is something you've not seen, but you have been asked to believe. There are a lot of things in our lives uh, that, that will fall under that category. Uh, sometimes, God, if, if, you're, if you're waiting on a healing, uh, you've got to believe it before you receive it. You know, uh, that, that's just how, it, how the operation works. Uh, that's how faith works. A testimony is whenever uh, God says, uh, will you believe? Can you believe and whenever you don't see it? Whenever it's not happened yet and whenever you know good and well it's not going to happen unless you can release the faith. And so he asked that. A testimony is something you've not seen, but you've been asked to believe. And God has promised victory through the fleece and through his word and just by you know, the, the things that he has said to Gideon and to the people. And then he asks, who believes? Who can believe me to do the things that I've said? He says, if you have fear and you have doubts about who is going to carry the day, if you don't believe the report of the Lord that he has called us to do this thing, you need to leave. Because doubt and faith can't can, can cannot both be the master. They can't both coexist and, and then doubt went out. And the second test, and I like this, the Lord actually says, I'm gonna test them. I'm going to test them. And God doesn't say for Gideon to test them. He says, I know what I'm looking for and I'll put them to my own test because he knows sometimes that we get that wrong. Sometimes when we, and that's the problem with Gideon, um, whenever uh, mankind gets involved, whenever people's opinions get involved, and we start to ask God for this and for that and say, oh, well, I just, you know, if you, God, if you, if you will this, then I'll do that. And if I see this, then I'll, then I'll go here. Um, and God doesn't really like to operate. Through that. That's not the best way. The best way is you hear from God. You understand. You read His Word and you obey. Yeah, and you, you, we shouldn't have to be convinced of God. Every time that humanity gets involved, we, we, we tend to mess it up a little bit, don't we? Whenever Samuel goes, and like I preached on Sunday morning, Samuel goes before uh, the Lord, and he goes out to find this new king. He's already picked one, and he picked him, you know, uh, because of his size, because of his stature, and because, you know, that, that everything that made sense. And so he's still kind of operating uh, from those, those same type of opinions. That, that's why he's picking uh, through the, these sons of David, or these sons of Jesse. And the first one, well, he looks good. The second one, well, he looks, surely him. And in the end, God says, just stop. I will will select him. I'll pick him. I know who he is because I look on the inside. Man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Amen? So he brought them down to the water. I I find this uh, interesting. Um, God brings us to the water on purpose. God brings us to the place of testing on purpose. And that's important. He didn't say, while you're at the water, or while you happen to be, you know, getting a drink, or while you happen to be crossing the brook, I'll do that, no. He brought them there on purpose. And we read in, in, uh, in Exodus, when God brought the children of Israel to the Red Sea, it was for a purpose. And this is really interesting uh, to me. Uh, sis, if you can just click that, um, <clears throat> that map, so you can't see really, really well. If I had a little laser pointer, it'd maybe be a little better. But uh, if you look at, uh, at where Goshen is, right here, I don't know if you can see it or not, but where the, the first red line on this side starts. And then uh, kind of look all the way up to the other side at Canaan, Joppa, Jer- Jericho, Bethlehem, all the good stuff, all the promised land. And you see the Red Sea down here where the actual crossing was. God brought them all the way through here, all the way down south, all the way down through the wilderness uh, to the Red Sea for a crossing. And it's, 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 it's interesting because, honestly, like it would make sense if they'd already sinned and they were already wandering in the wilderness and they're doing this, 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 and going everywhere in the world. Uh, it would make sense if God brought them way out of their way then, but they, they really haven't done that yet. They haven't, uh, you know, they, they, they haven't you know, disbelieved God. They're still running from the Egyptians at this point, so he brings them all the way down to the water, way out of the way, honestly, that's, I think it's like, I can't, I think it's like a a 20, you know, like a nine-hour car ride um, from Egypt to the promised land, you know, it's a pretty straight shot, you just stick uh, to the, to the northern coast there at the very tip of Africa, and you just walk straight, follow the coast, you can't miss it, Honestly they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. All you would have had to do is go north about 80 miles, hit the, hit the coastline, and take it north all the way up, and you're good. Yep. Not, that's not hard directions to follow all the way to the promised land. He brings them all the way down to this little finger of water here at the Red Sea. And this is the Suez over here. And he takes them to the Red Sea, and he does it for a purpose. You can uh, get rid of it now. It's kind of distracting, but... <clears throat> My point in that is that for, uh, you know, do I have a point? Yes, I do. I really do. Um, Here's my point. Um, They didn't need to cross the Red Sea to get to the promised land. Okay, cuz we always think about it like that you know we, we we think in terms of that was the barrier and that was the sea that we think of it like the ocean like there's just no getting around it you know you got to you got to go through it there's no way around and that's how it is and God had to open up a way in the where there was no way and that's kind of you know in, in the back of your mind that's kind of how we think of it you know they if they were going to go from Egypt to the promised land they had to go through the red sea is that kind of ever how you've thought about it a little bit that's just the, the route and it wasn't actually the trial was actually out of their way. Now, the Red Sea was way out of the way. Like there was no purpose. So you, you should have just gone up to the coastline and then followed it right there, and you just been. You know, we would have been there by lunch. That's What it seemed like. But God brings you to the water on purpose, and that's what I have got to tell you tonight. God brought you to the water, to the place of testing, on purpose. God is the architect of your life and your walk. God knows. Now, he doesn't create problems, and, and, then, and then, you know, he, he didn't create the sin, uh, but, but he, he knows. He knows. And sometimes he will bring you to a place of testing, a place of sanctification, a place of separation, because that's what we need. God brought the soldiers down to the river, because there, there had to be a separation. There, there was a time of testing involved. God brought the children of Israel all the way, way out of the way to the Red Sea. And I, I saw this the other day. I, th- I just thought it was just like, just one of those brilliant little thoughts. And uh, you know, somebody had just you know, said it or posted it or as a picture or whatever it was. But it said, God brought you to the sea because your enemies can't swim. And I tell you what, if God had taken them the short way, taken them right straight through all the way to Canaan land, you know, just on, on, on the, the, the regular route, uh, they'd have still had chariots behind them. They would have still had Pharaoh's horsemen behind them. They, they, they would, and I'm telling you what, God will bring you to the place of testing and it'll be on purpose. And God God will use it as as an opportunity to sanctify, to separate, and sometimes uh, just to prove to you that where he's taken you, uh, the reason why he had to take you through deep waters, and he does, is because your enemies can't swim. Amen? That's the million-dollar question. Yes, God is aware that he is not taking you the most direct route. And I feel like that is for somebody here tonight. God, because th- th- this is a prayer that you have prayed. I don't know who you are. I don't know what, and what your deal is. But uh, I really feel that in my heart tonight. And the answer, and this is from God, the answer is yes. I'm aware that I'm not taking you the most direct route. But there is a purpose and where I've taken you. There's a purpose in what I've allowed you to endure. There is a design, an intelligent design that is for your good and that is for my plan and that is why, amen? God could have taken them the most direct route but he didn't do that. He took them through the sea because Pharaoh's chariots couldn't swim or float. He took them because Mount Sinai was down there and he gave them the law from that. Through purification in the wilderness and the crossing of the Jordan River. Yeah, you know, the, the amazing thing is, like, if they'd stayed, you know, on you know, on the uh, western side, you know, and just get taken the route that I told you about, they would have never even had to cross the Jordan River either. But God brings you to the water for the testing, amen. The second, the second part, the second question. Uh, because the first level of testing that he has for these people is, uh, uh, can, you, uh, you know, can you believe? Can you believe the testimony that God has placed before you? Can you believe that, the, that I am going to, to win this battle? And if you can't, uh, then you've got to depart. Uh, the second one is, can you keep your eyes on God's plan? And he uses something simple, human, and applicable to test these men, which is thirst. The desire for non-sinful fulfillment of a natural need. See, and that's the thing. God, God wanted them to drink. Psalm 23 uh, says that he, he'll actually take us by the still waters. God wants uh, you know, us to be fulfilled. He wants us to have, a, ha, you know, to, to have enjoyment in our life. He wants us to have purpose in our life. Uh, God doesn't deny his children the, the, the good things of life. Like He created them uh, you know, for our enjoyment, for our pleasure. God wants to use and anoint his people for great exploits in the kingdom. And yes, it is possible to enjoy the good things in life, the, the God things, the God-ordained things in life, without taking your eyes off the purpose. And you can find a way. The, uh, the, the, the final test that these gentlemen uh, have to endure is a simple one, but I think it's one that, that we can learn from. <clears throat> His final test is, uh, now that, I've, now that I've, you, you believe my report, you believe the truth that God can, is going to win, that he's going to take you where you need to go... Um, my, my question now is that you, you've, you've seen that, you believe that, you've released faith. Can you keep your eyes on it long enough for me to do what I said I would do? And he, he separates all of these soldiers out. And uh, it's this is a really awkward way to drink you know everybody else went head head first you know they got down on their knees and began to uh, they just began to put their face in the water began to scoop the water you know you know towards them splashing around they took their eyes off of everything off of their surroundings completely and god used some people who who very awkwardly said, you know, I I I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to I'm going to drink. I'm I'm not you know I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm not going to set aside. Uh, you know, I'm not going to take my eyes off my mission, off the things that God you know has called me to do. I'm not going to take my eyes off the battlefield. I'm going to continue. Yeah, I can enjoy this in the same way as everybody else. Maybe uh, maybe not full because the the things in life that are not bad are sometimes the biggest danger to a man of God, to a child of God, to a woman of God. It's the things uh, you know, that, uh, that, that it's just a slow fade. It, it, can be, uh, you know, it can be entertainment, but it can also be our job. It can be anything. It can be our relationships. But anything that causes you to take your eyes off the kingdom, to take your eyes off God, uh, no matter how good it is, can become bad, can become wrong, and it can separate us from what God really wants to do, what he wants to use us for. We have to be 100% committed to God to His plan for our lives. so we can never take our eyes off that. If you want to be used of God, if you want to be one of those standing there declaring, shining the light, and actually declaring truth and seeing these, these walls come down, you want to be somebody who's used of God, you've got to keep your eye on it. And that's the most important thing to remember sometimes. And it's not that all these things are bad. It's not that the water was, was not something they should enjoy. But the problem is whenever people just, uh, you know, we take a good thing, you know, what, what, no matter what it is. I'm not doing no fantasy football this year. I just didn't feel like, uh, you, know, just, you know, I was kind of busy. I enjoy doing that sometimes. But uh, it can be something like that. And the next thing you know, you're, you're just, you, you can't stop and you're just, you know, you're watching every little thing and you're on ESPN all the time or you can be, you know, just into sports or you can be into fishing, you can be into boating, you can do whatever, you can be into the home improvement you know channel. I don't care what it is, no matter how good it is, no matter how pure, uh, you can find a way to get it out of bounds and out of balance. And, and people are like that. Like, that. that's just, especially me, like I have that kind of personality. Like, if I get into something, you know, if I get into... It, to, to no matter what it is, I can just jump in with both feet. Or you know, right? I jump in head first. Like, you know, no matter what, it, it can be a video game, it can be something like that, and I can just, you know, uh, that's just, you know, I guess I'm the only one uh, who is like that. You know, it can be a project, it can be a home improvement project, it doesn't matter what it is. We can all, we all love something. We, we all have a tendency, a natural tendency to get involved in something. Sometimes it's a, it can even be spiritual things that can get out of balance. And then you're neglecting other parts of your spiritual life. Absolutely. If you're you're so obsessed with uh, with studying theology that all of your theology is theoretical because you never actually do anything with it, you never actually um, play out what God has commanded us to do, and i 've got you know all, all like i've got you know i 've read ten thousand books but i 've witnessed to nobody that 's out of balance That's out of balance you know? it, 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 honestly you know you've got to be doers of the word you got to be you gotta be active anything can be out of balance absolutely anything can be out of balance so you can uh, and I'll tell you this will get me in huge trouble because I got in trouble in Bible school for this um, there was one particular uh there's one particular missionary that everybody was just, you know, hailing, and we, you know, we were extolling the virtues of it. And uh, it kind of bothered me because um, he took his wife to a foreign land, um, and uh, she was having, you know, terrible emotional problems. They had lost two children uh, who had died from this fever, and she was losing her mind. She needed help. She needed, uh, honestly, probably a long furlough. And uh, next thing you know, like in the book, it says, you know, he had kind of locked her in a room until finally she, uh, she lost her mind and then c- killed herself. And he would not give up the mission field. He wouldn't give up the, uh, you know, his, his, his ideas, his plan, his calling. And I was like, yo, I feel like that's a little out of balance. I, I understand the fact that he was you know, really you're just so gung-ho about traveling all over the place and doing this and doing this. But that's a little out of balance. Don't, don't you think he ought, to, he ought to have taken care of his wife, taken care of his family, and you know, see, seen her, you know, her needs met and not locked her into, in, in a room to where, to where she finally lost her mind? And then we kind of you know, had it out over that. You can, you can be out of balance in a lot of different things. you got to keep your eyes on God. See, all, all the good things that God gives you. He, he'll, he'll give you wonderful things. He'll, he'll give you rich if you'll, if, even if you feel lonely right now and you feel like you know, you're just not connected uh, you, you hold on and sometimes in order to make friends you've got to show yourself friendly. You've got you to gotta put yourself out there a little bit whenever it comes to that. But God will give you rich and, and wonderful you know, uh, relationships uh, you know, and friendships. You know, he'll bring them your way. Sometimes we go through dry seasons but God wants you to have those things. He, he wants you to be loved. He wants you to, uh, uh, to, to be rich in your, in your relationships and your purpose. Amen. He, don't want you, he wants your needs met. He don't want you to be the richest person in the world necessarily and have all those things, but he wants you to have joy and peace that passes all understanding. I don't believe that to serve God is to, uh, is to just alienate ourselves from any kind of you know, personal or, or physical or even temporal happiness whatsoever, although sometimes, you know, sometimes we walk through difficult things. It's not God's will that you be miserable, depressed, and angry all the time. That's not God's plan. However, every one of those things that God provides for the good for us, you've got to keep them in their place. And it's so tempting sometimes to just dive right into this or you know, dive full into this and take our eyes off the prize. But never allow that to be the case for you. God's got a purpose, and, 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 and you, can, you can do it. That's, that's where I'll end right there. Uh, you can do it. it may, sometimes I have felt like if I wanted to keep my eye on God, keep my eye on God, uh, On what he had created me to do I had to be a little weird you know I remember walking away from a friendship that I had held for a long time and uh, he he said you know because we'd grown up both of us in church and you know he'd always you know just kind of been around and you know whatever and uh, I just remember having this one conversation he was like well you're serious about this huh like it's not just kind of something that we do like you're all in I was like yeah man and that started a uh, a friendship divide and now and, you know, I haven't talked to him in years and it's 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 him because he has nothing to say and he, he just really doesn't he doesn't get that part of me and so you know you in he, here this is something sad and uh, but you know young people especially if you're here you know tonight uh, you cannot walk together with someone in different directions you would be amazed how many young people, young couples, young men and women, just don't ever get that concept. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, no, you can't walk together with anybody for very long, for more than a moment, in separate directions. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So what, what I want to end on is whenever you are a you you can enjoy life. You can enjoy the good things of life, uh, but you got to keep your eyes on God. You got to keep your eyes on what's most important. And sometimes, yeah, you, you feel weird about it. man. And it separates you. They're like, "Well, are you sure? Well, you got to go on Wednesday night, dude. Didn't you just go on Sunday morning? Why, why are you why are you going?" You're like, "Well, yeah, I'll hang out with you later. I can do stuff. You know, we, we we'll we'll hang out. We'll we'll go we'll go do that thing, but uh, not right now. I'm I'm going. I'm going to go to the church. I'm going to you know, you know what, what are you doing? Well, you know, I'm I'm reading the Word. Well, come on, let's go do this." I can go do I can go play basketball I can go you know hang out I can go do this I can go, you know do all the, you know the good things that we' love to do I can go to the lake but you know I, I, and, and I, I was at the lake but I was at the lake you know on Saturday you know which is, you know, lakes also open on Saturday who knew It's not just Sundays you know they don't fold it up and shut it down Amen come on somebody and uh, See, I can enjoy those things. I can, I can, I can enjoy you know, some, some good entertainment. I can I can enjoy you know, these good things and you know, all this fun stuff. I can do it. But you know what? I can do it. I might not be able to just jump full force into it. You know, I might not be able to just you know, heedlessly just get so obsessed with that to where I forget all about my calling and all about my responsibilities. And, and it, I may not be able to get into it as much as some people, but I can enjoy my life. But I, you, you better believe. I'm still keeping my eye on God. I'm so, I, I can do it like this. I can, I, I can still, you know, you can dive right in, but I can enjoy life. I can enjoy relationships and people and, and things. I can, I can live a wonderful life, and I don't have to take my eyes off the prize. Amen? And that's what God wants us to understand tonight. Most importantly, if you want to be there shouting at the end, whenever all the walls are coming down, whenever uh, God is doing mighty and miraculous things, Keep your eyes on him.